Good morning. Thanks for joining with us uh, at Regina Apostolic Church online. We appreciate the opportunity to minister to you in this way. I trust the Lord will bless you and minister to you through his word. Today I want to talk to you about this thing called hope. Hope is the power that keeps us going in the toughest times of our lives. It gives us a reason to live. It takes obstacles that we come across and it transforms them into possibilities. It's been said that a person can live for 40 days without food, four days without water, four minutes without air, but only about four seconds without hope. I don't know how you quantify that last piece, except to say that it's truly the power that energizes our lives. The difference between a person with hope and one without is not just obvious, it's actually very stunning to see the difference between those two groups of people. History tells us Winston Churchill during the war was asked what his greatest weapon was against Nazi Germany when it was bombing London and England in general. And he said, my greatest weapon was hope, the greatest weapon I had. And he would take that hope and he would, uh, he would share that with his daily radio broadcasts and provide hope for the people as they were trying to, to stay out of the, the line of fire necessarily. Considering the belief that we have in Christ as the all-powerful God, we should be known, if you will, as merchants of hope. People that would give hope out. People that are ready with encouragement in times of trouble based on the fact that we know our God. God has never failed us. There's been many times he's done things we don't understand, but he's never failed us. And we can always hope in him and believe he's going to come through. There's a lot of people that feel like Christians who have their eyes on the skies, if you will, are totally useless in this world. But C.S. Lewis actually disagrees. C.S. Lewis said once, if you read history, you'll find that the Christians who did most for the present world were also those who thought the most of the next, who had their hope in heaven. It's when Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they become so ineffective in this world. He said, aim at heaven and you'll get the earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you'll get neither. We have a hope for heaven and for earth, and that hope is in Christ. It's in Jesus Christ. Even though there may be times when it seems like all hope is lost, the truth of the Word of God tells us that that's not the case. Let's read what the Bible has to say about this. Number one, we have hope due to the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. We find in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 5, it says, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in what? In the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, he said, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. Some people are, are questioning whether they should hope in Jesus Christ because it might be, uh, it might be just a ruse. It might be uh, something that doesn't work. Maybe they don't add up or whatever the case may be. Let me encourage you this Sunday morning, if you're listening on Sunday morning or whenever you're listening, that your hope will not put you to shame if your hope is in Jesus Christ. Because God's love, he continues, has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Our hope is because of the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. We have a hope that says we are saved, we're going to make it to heaven as our home when we die, and we can live securely in that fact due to the sacrifice of Christ here on earth. 
The book of Hebrews confirms this in chapter 6, verse 16, when it says, For when people swear by something greater than themselves, and all their disputes, uh, an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, that's you and I, the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things in which it's impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. What is that hope? That God loves us, that he's with us, that he won't forsake us, that he'll get us through whatever it is we're presently experiencing. He continues, he said, We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. In other words, it's based in the reality of the presence of Jehovah himself, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. We have a strong and secure hope in our salvation because God swore by himself, not by somebody else, but by himself, to prove that it is secure. We have his word on it. There isn't anything else on the face of the earth that you could have hope in and yet trust that it was going to come to pass, that your hope would be fulfilled as much as God and his word. Our hope is strong, it's secure, it's steadfast, even if in many situations we don't find ourselves faithfully responding to that hope. There's many times we doubt this. I don't know what your, your life is like, but I find myself on occasion doubting some of the things that I'm experiencing. I take a step of faith, I'm wondering if the Lord's going to be there. He always is, but during that not yet time, a fulfillment of, of his promises, it's not unusual for me to wonder, okay, where are you, Lord? Are you going to come through with this or not? I'm in the process of trying to find a house in Regina, and I want you to know that my hope is in Jesus for that to come to pass because that's the only hope I have, it seems. Is he going to come through? Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't look good right now, but there's no question that I can still trust in his hope because it's strong, secure, and steadfast. Number two, we have hope not only for the next life, but also for this life. It says in Ephesians 1.15, For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. This isn't just some, some casual thing. This isn't an emotional experience. This is not something that, that it, just an add-on, if you will. You can actually know what is the hope to which he's called you to. You can know this in your heart, in your mind. What are the riches of the glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might? Not your great might, according to the working of his great might. Many Christians feel that the power of Christ is reserved only for the forgiveness of sins and justification alone. And yet he's called us to understand that the hope of our calling is not just simply after we pass away, but it's for our time here on earth as well. That we can know, know, underline that word, that we can know the working of his power, not tomorrow, not the next day, not just because we hear it through somebody's stories or somebody preaching, reading a book, watching a show on TV, but our hope can be known in our spirit personally. 
you can realize and know the hope of his power in your life today, not just in the future. You can see it happen now. Where there's no hope in the future, there's no power in the present. And Christians have both. Number three, I have hope because of the word of God. Psalms 119.41 says this, Let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. Then shall I have an answer for him who taunts me. For I trust in your word, and take not the word of truth, I, and take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for my hope is in your rules. This is the English Standard Version description. What he's saying is, my hope are in your, is in your precepts. My hope is in your word. It's in the scriptures. I will keep your law continually forever and ever, and I shall walk in a wide place, for I have sought after your precepts. I will also speak of your testimonies before kings and shall not be put to shame, for I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. I'll lift up my hands towards your commandments, which I love, and I'll meditate on your statutes. Zan, they remember your word to your servant in which you have made me hope, and in which he has made you hope. He's put that desire to hope in his word in your heart. He said, you're my hiding place, my shield. David said, I hope in your word. If the body of Christ realized what hope there is to be found in the Word of God, there wouldn't be the dearth in the country for the Scriptures and the reading of the Scriptures. Even though David didn't uh, fully realize what was coming in Christ the Messiah, he had great hope in the Word that he was given. You and I have a much fuller revelation, and therefore we, we can have an even greater hope that's realized because we look back to the cross instead of looking forward to it. Number four, I have hope in the darkest times of my life. And this is where the rubber meets the road for many of us. This is where it really happens. It's not something that's up the road. When I die, when I pass away, I really have no power over that. But this I live on a daily basis. And some people, especially some of you that are watching today, are in the midst of the darkest time of your life. And my encouragement to you, my, my statement to you today, is that you would understand that you can have hope in the midst of this right in the midst of the darkest times of your life. Psalms 42 verse 1 says, As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, Where's your God? Where's your God? That taunting in the back of your mind on a daily basis that you hear when you're in the midst of the darkest times of your life. These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in the procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. In other words, you're thinking back to the times in your life where they weren't the darkest times, they were the greatest times. You really appreciated that. You longingly look forward to that. And then David said, he started to speak to himself. He said, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you, why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. David said, hope in God. Don't hope in your circumstances. Don't hope in your army. Don't hope in your kingship. Don't hope in any, any of the circumstances that you find yourself in. Hope in God. He said, for I shall again praise him, my salvation. Our hope in God is always fulfilled. There's never a time when my hope in God is fruitless. Lamentations chapter 3. This is one of the most profound scriptures when it comes to hope. It said, So I say, my endurance has perished. 
So has my hope from the Lord. It's pretty, pretty desperate when you believe that the actual hope that God gave you has literally perished for whatever reason during those dark times. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. And then it's like he tied a knot to that, to that rope that he was, he was sliding down into the depths of despair. He tied a knot and he hung on and he said this in verse 21. But this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. I know some of you think that that's not the case for you. Can I tell you this morning, you're not that special that God would apply all the scriptures to everybody else and not to you. I know that you think maybe you've done some things that, that separate you from the word of God. It's just not true. It's not just not true, but it's a lie. You believed a lie if you think this doesn't apply to you. This is what applies to you. Listen closely. This I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. What's my hope in? The fact that the steadfast love of the Lord will never cease. And it's absolutely the truth for you this morning as you listen to my words. His mercies will never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. Let him sit alone in silence when it is laid on him. Let him put his mouth in the dust. There may yet be hope. I know that doesn't sound too attractive, putting your mouth in dust and all that kind of thing. So pull back from that just for a minute, whatever the darkness is in your life, and understand that this scripture, my friend, applies to you today. You may know Christ as Savior, you may not know Christ as Savior, but the truth of the matter is this applies to you. This hope is yours. It was given to you by his Father when Jesus died on the cross. It was embedded in your life. It's available to you, and if you don't know him as your Savior, you can come to know him as Savior today and have that hope as well. We have hope in these times also because we can remember what God has done in the past. D.L. Moody in the Great Fire in Chicago told the story of a store owner whose store was destroyed in that fire, and he carried a little table out the next day after the fire was finished to where the store had been. He put the table up with a sign on it that said this. The sign said this, Everything lost except wife, children, and hope. Business will resume as usual tomorrow. Wow. That's powerful. If anybody had reason not to hope, that man would be one of them. Finally, number five. This hope brings fruitfulness and blessings to our lives. So aside from hoping in, in uh, the ability for the Lord to come into your life and resolve the situation you're focused on, Regardless of the hope about uh, all, all of these things being uh, dealt with, the Bible says there's a corresponding fruitfulness and blessing that comes when you hope in him that may not even have anything to do with what you're hoping for. Jeremiah 17, 7 says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He's like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and he's not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. Why? Because his hope is in the Lord. And the Lord will constantly revigorate, reinvigorate our lives based on the place that we are finding ourselves in him. We find ourselves in him in faith 
because we hope that he's not going to leave us, that we can trust his word, and that he's going to pour himself out upon us fresh on a daily basis. Why can we trust for fruitfulness? Because our hope and our trust lies in the one that can fulfill those promises. The story is told about Ty Cobb, a famous baseball player, who won 12 uh, Atlantic, uh, sorry, American League batting titles from 1907 to 1915. I'm not sure if any of you were alive back then uh, when this happened. But on his 70th birthday interview, uh, a sportscaster asked him, what do you think you would hit if you were playing in the leagues today? His lifetime average was 367. If you know anything about baseball, you understand that stat. Ty Cobb replied, I'd probably hit between 290 and 300. So the reporter responded to Ty Cobb and he said, is that because of the increased travel compared to when you used to play? It would it be because of the night games or the turf, the newer stadium or pitchers? And Ty Cobb looked at him, shook his head. He said, no, it's because I'm 70 years old, man. <laughs> I'm 70 years old. I just can't do what I used to do. I think I could pull in a, a 290 or a 300 in spite of the fact I had 367 before. You say, boy, that's pretty cocky. Maybe, but he had a hope. We can expect that same level of confidence in our lives as Christians. It's not cockiness because it's not based in us. It's based in him. One of the most important things you'll ever need to know about hope is this. And if you're taking notes, write this down. Here it is. If my hope is based in anything outside of Christ, it's always, always, always a fruitless hope. Anything that's based in my hope outside of Christ is always a fruitless hope. Every time. Hope is based on, uh, anything, any hope based on things is short-lived. Nothing in the world gives you more false hope than the first four hours of a new diet. It doesn't take long for you to think, my hope is dissipated, I'm lost. I don't know what your life is like, but that's my experience. Someone may ask, is there any hope in this situation? The answer is always the same. Hear me. This is specifically for someone who's listening this morning. The answer is always the same. Regardless of the present circumstances, regardless of your outcome, regardless of your situation, regardless of whether you put yourself in that scenario or you came by it uh, unawares and it had nothing to do with you. In Christ, the answer is very simple. It's an unqualified, unquestionable yes. There's always hope. Always hope. If your hope is in a relationship, there's going to be plenty of reason for you to lose hope. If your hope is in your finances, you're going to find out that that finances actually will produce nothing of lasting worth. Nothing that there's, not that there is anything wrong with those things. It's just they're not what we're supposed to put our hope in. If your hope is in your job, your possessions, your ability to rationalize, your intellect, your, an upcoming event, maybe something's happening in the future, you're really looking forward to that, nothing wrong with that. But if that's where your hope is, or even in your self-worth, you're going to find out that these are also leaky boats. When you place your hope in Christ alone, then the areas where you need strength and grace will be given to you. Only in Christ is there any real lasting hope. And this hope is a result of choice, not a result of circumstances, because a lot of your circumstances you have no control over, but you do have control over your choice. You can choose today to hope in Jesus Christ in spite of the fact that the circumstances surrounding you were foisted upon you, if you will, and you had no say in it. Alexander Solzhenitsyn was in a prison camp, and in his biography he he said he was so tired 
during the work detail. He was leaning on a shovel. He just didn't have the strength to continue on. And he knew that if he didn't continue to work, the guard was going to come and beat him and possibly kill him. That's just the way it was. Because he wasn't working. And most of the prisoners were pushed towards a place of, of losing hope and, and giving up on life in general. And many of them were either killed or died of uh, what would be considered natural causes. They weren't really natural because the prison camp itself was unnatural. But before that could happen, before the guard could come, another Christian came to Solzhenitsyn. And right down at his feet, he took his toe of his boot and he designed the sign of the cross. Or sorry, the sign of the fish, if you will, in the sand. And then he erased it quickly. And Solzhenitsyn wrote and said that within those five seconds, he received hope and as a result, he continued on and lived past that prison camp. We have a promise of hope in 1 Timothy chapter 1. I'll just quickly read through it. In the verse, uh, verses 3 to 9, it says, First of all, our hope is imperishable. When you hope in Jesus, there's nothing that can destroy that hope. It doesn't matter who you are, what your circumstances are. That hope will not perish. It said in verse 3 and 4, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy... He has caused us to be born again to what? To a living hope, not an historical hope. It may be based in historical issues, but it's a living hope today. It's as real as you are. It's as alive as you are. And it's through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. We have an, imperish an imperishable hope. We also have a hope that's protected by God. In verse 5 it says, Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. He goes on. Verse 6, our hope leads us to joy. It's not enough just simply that we have this hope that's imperishable, is protected by God, but it actually, its path takes us to a place of joy in spite of our circumstances. He said, in this rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. In spite of the trials, you can still rejoice. He said, our hope will be tested and proved sound, verse 7, so that the testing, uh, the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Our hope is going to be tested and in the midst of his tests, proven real. And finally, it said in verse 8, our hope gives us faith to believe that we'll see Jesus. Aren't you glad for that? Is that your hope this morning? Are you looking forward to that? Do you ever question whether that hope is real? Because it is. It is. He said in verse 8, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible, joy unspeakable, if you will. And filled with glory. That sounds like a little bit of a, 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 an oxymoron there. The fact that you would be in the midst of these circumstances and yet rejoicing with that type of joy. And yet that's what this hope gives you. Finally, he said, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. We have, in what would be regarded, an inexplicable hope. 
one that's hard to explain, one in some cases that's hard to believe, and yet it's absolutely true. And if you're listening this morning and you know Christ as your Savior, you've accepted him into your heart, and you find yourself in the midst of those dark times wondering what this is about, maybe this season of COVID or whatever you're experiencing, let me encourage you today as the lead pastor here at Regina Apostolic Church, I want you to know my life, not just my involvement here, not just my preaching, but my life is based on that hope, my friend. And you can have that hope as well. Where regardless of what the enemy's trying to tell you in your mind, regardless of what circumstances are trying to paint for a picture for you, the truth is, this is the truth, he's not going to leave you, he's not going to forsake you. There is hope, and it's found in him. And if you're listening today for whatever reason and you don't know Christ as your Savior, not an issue of being religious, not an issue of even joining this church. If you join this church, that'd be great. If you don't, that's fine too. That's not the most important thing. The most important thing is that you find the hope that we've been speaking about in a relationship with Jesus Christ. You say, how do I do that, Pastor? It's pretty simple, actually. You talk to him just like I'm talking to you now. You say, Jesus... I want this hope that Pastor Larry spoke about. I'd like you to come into my life and forgive me for all the stuff that I've done that's wrong, that's bad. I'd like you to live with me forever. When I die, would you take me to heaven? And he's a God of his word. Everything that you're asking him is based on the imperishable hope that I just got finished talking to you about. And you can trust him to fulfill everything that he said he would do. God bless you. I'm just going to pray with you really quickly and ask the Lord to impact your life with this truth. So Lord, I ask in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, that everyone that's listening would have great hope, not, not placed in things that are not going to work, but placed in you. I pray, Jesus, that we would have a great hope that we would know that when we pass from this earth that we're going to be with you in heaven. I pray that we'd have a great hope that would get us through the seasons of our lives. Sometimes some, some are better than others, some are are more hopeful than others, but I pray that that hope would be there and it would be obvious. And I pray especially for those that are listening that don't know you. I ask in Jesus' name that your Holy Spirit would connect with them, that your spirit would witness with their spirit, that you're alive, and that this hope is true. It's real. And you have this for them. And may you draw them by your kindness, Father, to a place of accepting you into their hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If there's anything we can do for you, please call the church. Be in touch with us. We appreciate you listening. God bless.